everybody in the world to the Michael Dupree Variety Hour on every podcast provider in and around God's beautiful blue-green orb that we call Planet Earth. I am your king, Michael Dupree, and it is the first episode of November, baby. It's Christmas. It's time for Christmas, y'all. No. It is. Thanksgiving's not a real holiday. <laughs> it may be my favorite holiday, but we can all agree it's not real. Mm. <laughs> True. <laughs> that four-day weekend is real, though. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know what? You're right about that. I think it's my favorite holiday. Thanksgiving too, is the best. It's the you best yeah. holiday. Look, you don't have to get in. You don't have to stress out for a month figuring out what you're gonna wear on a holiday. Exactly. You on, on a, <laughs> for a costume. Uh, I was Mario this year, and I won a costume contest, even though it was like a $30 costume off Amazon. <laughs> but I think it's because it was a paired costume with my brother, who was Luigi. So mm, there you go. People thought it was cute. Um, <laughs> and uh, then Christmas, you gotta you got to spend like $400 freaking dollars to just buy everyone you care about a present. Yeah. And hopefully they like it, or hopefully it's something they ever use again. But Thanksgiving, it's like, man, I'm just going to eat. I mean, sure, you got to have the one person that actually cooks. But <laughs> yeah, you got to have that person. I, so yeah. far, I haven't been that person <laughs> yeah. yet. So it's great for me. I just got to drive, eat, leave, go home, sleep, wake up, call my dad, go bed, go home, go sleep. <laughs> if you've never listened to the Michael the Brief Variety Hour before, it is an art showcasing comedy show where we feature local musicians, painters, poets, artists, sculptors, directors, writers, uh, improvisers, and more. We have not had a sculptor on the show yet. Oh, that was going to be my first yeah, question. I yeah, was gonna still have it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, nope. So, still no sculptors. Maybe one day. Uh, I, I put it in there as like an open invitation. Right, yeah. Calling uh, all if sculptors. If you are a sculptor, please. were you in one of the bands <laughs> that said that you know a sculptor and you were going to help me? Because um, I've had recall. a couple bands. I don't think so. Okay. I'm trying to think if I know any sculptors. I, I have a grudge. I don't, know any sculptors. I don't yeah. remember specifically who, but I, I can't tell you how many times I've said I haven't had a sculptor. And then the band I had on, it's been like, oh, I know a sculptor. I'll, I'll connect you guys. And they <laughs> never these, these did. Sculptors. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe one day. Maybe one day we'll have a sculptor. Until then, we don't. And uh, the Michael Three Friday Hour is also the world's only mandatory podcast. Uh, so welcome back, everybody. In the world. <laughs> uh, we have a very litty titty show for you guys today. Uh, later on, we will be joined by a man by the name of Magnus Borgson. Uh, he's a line manager at the Helium Tank Factory, uh, which is very exciting. I've never met anybody uh, who's had... I didn't even know... I guess there has to be a Helium Tank Factory, but uh, I never have met anybody who's worked at one. It's kind of like train conductors. Like, there's trains all over the place, right? Have you ever met anybody, though, that's a train conductor? Not one time. Never. Not once. Wouldn't it be cool? Like, I feel like that'd be such a cool job. That's like that's like the modern-day cowboy, almost. Yeah. They get to wear the cool outfit, too. Yeah, you wear the little hat, the overalls, the little stripes, and, yeah, you don't have to steer, but you go all over the country, mm-hmm. and you're just like... Mm-mm. Yeah, just pulling like, the horn. Toot, toot. Oh, man, it seems like such a, so, so like a nomadic life. It's like it's like the boxcar hobo, but you don't. But you actually make a living yeah. doing you're it. You're not you're not risking there. your life. 
Yeah, you yeah. shoveling coal into the. Do you think he shovels the coal, or is there somebody? Oh, he definitely does not shovel the coal. Right, I don't think he's shoveling the coal. That's the job I don't want to do. I just want to be. They don't use coal anymore. Yeah. Well, then what do they use? They brought it back. They brought it back. They're using coal again now. Coal is in. Electric powered. Electric powered trains. No thanks, sir. Trains are cool. My grandpa liked trains a lot, but you know what? He's gone now, so I guess they're not cool. But right now, we are joined by three very awesome people. Uh, they are the, uh, the uh, well, they are the crew and cast of the, uh, some members of the cast, some members of the crew, of the uh, short film uh, Bruised Fruit, uh, which is a Michigan-made film, and it is debuting, uh, it's making its debut this uh saturday the 9th at the ant hall and there's an awesome show to accompany it uh so uh, we'll get into that but first let me welcome writer and director christopher jarvis producer abigail jasky did i say that right yep elia uh, <laughs> and producer and lead actor alex mites welcome Hi, michael Hi. thanks for having us michael thank you for coming back to the show uh, and you guys, you, I believe you've all been on the show. You've been on the show before, Alex? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Yes, yep. yes, you have. You have. You totally. Uh, but yeah, so ancient language, uh, you know, it's all. It's a family reunion. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome <who's> back. back. <laughs> Look who's back to. Look who's talking to. <laughs> <laughs> the best sequel in history. Yeah. Um, Hands down. Wait, there was a third one with a dog, wasn't there? Uh, or was I, the second one have I the think, dog too? No, I think the third one was like the dogs. Hell like the yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Look who's talking three. <laughs> What a great trilogy. <laughs> That's yeah, what classic. About. Yeah. Uh, so, Bruised Fruit uh, is a almost, it's, I wouldn't say it's coming of age, but it's coming of accepting your situation. Uh, but l- before we get into the, it's a very, I got a chance to watch it uh, ahead of everyone else, and it is fantastic. I'm very excited for everyone to be able to check it out. But we'll get more into it in a moment. First, let's go around the table. Say who you are, what you did in the film, and uh, if you uh, had to uh, eliminate any holiday uh, and you had to do it on live television execution style, (laughs) (laughs) brutal and bloody, what would it be? Let's start on this side of the table. Okay. Um, I'm Chris. Uh, I wrote and directed Bruce Fruit. Um, if I had to murder any holiday on live TV, it would be, um, man, there's so many holidays I want to murder. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to pick one. Yeah. You told me you didn't like Halloween. I hate Halloween. You I, hate Halloween? I do, yeah. I, should, I shouldn't have said that. Now, ever, <laughs> now everyone knows. Yeah, now this everyone knows. This is a mandatory this was, podcast. This was, it was, it's been my secret for so long. <laughs> well, now it's out there. You know what it is, though? It's exactly what you said earlier when we were talking about the whole stress of getting a costume together and all that. Yeah, I don't have the well because then you show up to the party. You want to go to the Halloween party because yeah. all your friends are there yeah. and there's the drinks. Yeah, and so I don't hate Halloween. I hate the the, the stress, stress of it. Of it. Yeah. yeah, I get that because yeah. like you don't want to show up and be like, "Oh, I'm the guy not wearing a costume. Oh, I'm dressed as like yeah, a guy." You know? Yeah. But oh, where's your costume? Yeah. You had a costume <laughs> this year, Chris. I had three costumes this year actually, yeah. but none of them they were all provided for me. I didn't, yeah. I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you make it big, man. Yeah, people exactly. Your yeah, that's what I, I know. This is the first year I was like, oh, I made it. Like, people are giving me costumes. Yeah. My, my wife is the same way. She, I, I, I was actually kind of getting excited about this year. I'm like, oh, I got this costume and stuff like that. I'm like, well, you should dress up too. And she's like, 
actively hates it. Like she she wears like cat ears and that's it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I get it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, you know, I participated. This is my first time dressing up in a costume in years. And it was kind of fun, actually. I think I'm back in the spirit of it. But we'll see if I feel that way next year. Uh, next on the table we have... Um, my name's Abby, and I was a producer on Bruce Fruit. Mm-hmm. And if I could, and also a cameo appearance. Yes, I did much. have a short appearance <laughs> mm, in the true. film <laughs> that I can ke- continue to keep forgetting about. <laughs> um, and if I could murder, are we using the word murder? Is that yes? Yeah. Yeah. Execute, <laughs> execute. Murder is it? Uh, is that PC? Into yeah, I don't we know don't if say I should murder be here. That. Um, if I could murder any holiday, I would have to go with St. Patrick's Day. Mm. St. Patrick's Day. I Why hate, is that? I hate St. Patrick's wow. Day. Wow. <laughs> it's just, it's such a, I don't know. Abby hates the Irish. Over the top. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> Irish, by the way. I know. Okay. Um, I know. <laughs> it's just obnoxious, it honestly. Is. <laughs> What's the point Yeah. at this point? I, uh, there was probably a point in the first place, but now yeah, not what it's become. Yeah, <laughs> what have you become? Yeah, yeah, I don't. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, how would you do it? <laughs> how would you execute uh, it? I guess it would have to be uh, just a swift <laughs> guillotine. <laughs> guillotine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that seems fair. That seems appropriate. <laughs> and last and maybe least, we Thank have. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Um, hi, I'm Alex, and I was the lead actor in Bruised Fruit. I played Charlie, mm-hmm. um, and I'm also a producer on the film. Mm-hmm. And casting And director. basically casted the whole thing. And I casted yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so let's. So this is a question for Chris and Ab. Wait, I didn't get your answer for the holiday question. Oh, um, Columbus Day. Oh, yeah. an way, f- way to yeah. go, guys. No one else said now that. Now you guys all seem like yeah. assholes. Yeah, we, we I do. mean, we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but is that, that, one feels, that one feels like it's on the way out. Oh, yeah. I feel totally. like. Yeah. It's Didn't be- they change it to Indigenous Peoples Day? One, one yeah. state did. I don't remember yeah. which state it was. No, a bunch are actively or was it a like city? against it. It's a whole thing. Oh, okay. I, I think it was a city that, that legally changed it. Uh, okay. But people still get the day off for it and everything. Um, or, you know, some people do. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't either. Uh, which I don't really, I don't really need to have that day off in honor of Columbus. (laughs) Uh, I'll work. Thanks. Yeah. uh, The one day I actually want to work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll work double. Yeah. Uh, that's a good answer. Very good answer. Uh, so, uh, Chris and Abby, what got you guys, uh, interested in, uh, filmmaking? Uh, what, what was kind of the first time you were like, I want to make a movie. Oh man! Um, when when I was in high, I think it was when in high school when I started just like discovering, because like when you're a kid, you know, you watch like Star Wars and Indiana Jones, like all the like you know classics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you get older, you kind of like discover like weird art movies and like weird all the weird stuff that's getting made. And I think it, that was like the first time I realized like oh like there's actually like people making these movies. They aren't just like robots they are just like products of like these huge studios you know what i mean yes so like that's what first got me interested in it was just like getting turned on to all these weird movies um in high school yeah yeah and what about you abby um my background is also in photography so Mm -hmm. while i was in college we also had to do some video stuff and i guess you know i kind of strayed away from it for a while but then moving back to detroit and meeting chris and um 
working on some different projects with him kind of got me back into it. I forced her. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, and so uh, kind of uh, you, when you were talking about um, like how art movies are like someone making it not a big product with studio, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the controversy, controversial quote unquote statements by Martin Scorsese oh, yeah. and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Francis Ford Coppola about the Marvel franchise, kind of curious to see if you want to weigh in on that as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, you know, me weighing out of that is very yeah. important. Hot yeah. takes. Well, yeah. it's just kind of, so for context, or anyone who's not familiar, uh, Martin Scorsese uh, kind of came out a couple weeks, well, he got asked in an interview what he thought about the Marvel movies, and I, I feel like he didn't say anything, like, too damning. He wasn't saying, like, no. they don't have value at yeah. all. Uh, but he, what he, he said was, like, it was more kind of more of, like, a theme park ride mm-hmm. uh, than than actual cinema um, yeah, where Francis Ford Coppola was a little more aggressive about it, but he said, called them like despicable or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, so what do you what do you I, think? I gotta that? say I agree with Scorsese on this yeah. one. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, man, there's a lot I could say about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's 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 not like he said. It's not really cinema. It's more like they're like these event movies where you mm-hmm. go and and it's just like. I don't. I don't know. It's yeah. Uh, no. I think I'm on the same page as you, and and it's funny because uh, I I love the Marvel movies. Yeah. Like I really like seeing. I see them when they come out, and uh, I have a lot of fun watching them. But even I kind of agree <laughs> that it, they're not really cinema in the same way that something like Goodfellas. Yeah. It, I, don't, for example, I don't think there's anything wrong with them. As it's going to seem like a very try-hard example. I feel. Like. Yeah. As, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with the them lighthouse. as entertainment, but like. <laughs> It's it's getting to the point now where uh, a lot of other types of movies aren't really, they're not really able to succeed because there's no room for them. You know, like yeah. theaters are. Yeah, people are just seeing Marvel and DC right. movies. Yeah. They're not watching anything else. Like right. Disney's kind of monopolizing the entire film industry <laughs> right now, which is rough, disheartening. It's, it's <laughs> problematic. Yeah. And they have uh, this uh, vault now where they're. Oh yeah! Did you hear oh, about this? Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, they're vaulting away like the old Fox like movies? Fox movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So like, like, oh yeah, you can't watch these. Sorry. So there's like there's all these like small indie theaters around the country who like show you know show these old movies, and now Disney's like placing cease and desist orders on them, and like they can't show these movies like on their anniversaries and stuff like that. And it's just like, yeah. it's weird to me because they're specifically going after like the little guys. Yeah, yeah. Because you so think like, oh, we're a small theater. I mean, as if there already town. wasn't. See. Because uh, like something like uh, just I'm thinking about it right now because I really want to see it. The lighthouse, uh, for example, I feel like you can't see that in like a name like a like a big cinemaplex. Like you'd have to go to like the Main Art Theater or something like that to go see it. Yeah, uh, and I and or like Parasite or, or something like that. Like oh, those man. movies, you're not gonna see them. Those are like my two favorite movies of the year. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. both I haven't seen, but I've heard Fantastic. amazing things Definitely about all them. them. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, those movies. You're, I, I mean, I might be wrong, but I feel like they're not going to be in your like, Imagine or AMC theater. Shows Probably online. not. You're um, going to have to go to like a indie theater to, yeah. to go see those, which is, you know, those are the movies that I feel like are probably pushing the medium further along. And for sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the movies that are in the cinema, play, which makes sense because all the p- movies that people are seeing. But there's something to be said for it. Yeah, definitely. I don't remember how we got down this rabbit hole, but yes. So Alex, uh, so you are the lead actor in Bruce Fruit, and you've uh, kind of been acting in several different things for a while. You you shot a pilot earlier this year. 
uh, for uh, a, a, a show. Um, and you've just kind of been acting for a while. You have your own mm-hmm. show that you uh, do regularly. That's, um, you know, it's acting as well. It's kind of an enhanced, like a, a, a hyperbolic version of yourself, but totally. still a, a, a performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you first get interested in acting? Um, I started acting when I was in middle school. I did competitive acting. So Wait. <laughs> yeah. It's called forensics. I mean, Alex, Alex Knows It All is also still kind of competitive acting. Oh, yeah, <laughs> she is. That is competitive as well. Uh, wait, uh, so competitive acting. I know. Um, yeah, competitive acting. I started doing that. I did well, and then I Wait, you got it. You got what is What is competitive acting? Um, okay, so forensics is you are in a room, like a classroom, and there's maybe eight other kids that are also performing i did storytelling in particular so i'd read children's books and do character voices and stuff huh and then there's just like a random adult and they're the judge and they write down on a scorecard like you know <laughs> it's who, like the olympics it's like the olympics yeah. but for <laughs> character voices and storytelling um i i did that and i did well so i started coaching when i got into high school i coached the younger kids and I was still competing in high school. And then I kind of stopped doing that for a while. And I didn't really get back into theater until I was in my 20s. And my mom was doing improv. And she mm-hmm. kind of forced me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was stupid till I saw Sam, who's in the movie, Sam Meyer. I saw him doing his improv. And I'm like, oh, this is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes improv. Like, I was lucky the first time I saw improv, I saw, like, go comedies like all-star showdown so it's lucky that i saw like good improv the first time because i feel like a lot of people you know they could go on the wrong night and then it's like i this is the worst thing yeah bad improv is like the worst thing in the world oh yeah. i know and i and i know for a fact i've done bad improv oh, yeah, we all have so that's, that's part of the process i'm not not guilty you of just that. you fear that you you hope that the only people seeing your bad improv are other improvisers who get it yeah not like, like oh. someone coming to improv for the first time yeah like this is awful I, uh, it was interesting though. Like looking back, I said this yesterday that um, looking back at the first time I saw improv and came to the ant, that I saw Sam and now he's like my best friend. Yeah, like full Which circle. Which is very comes Aww. clear comes uh, <laughs> very comes true. I can't why can't I think of the word comes through? God dang it, <laughs> uh, comes through a lot in the perform in the um, film. Uh, I was uh, uh, you guys have a very great chemistry uh, on there um and he was also in the pilot that you yeah. shot earlier this year yeah uh, so it's you know kind of uh, continuing that through line sam and i have relationship been, we've been lucky that we get to on like the bigger projects that we've done we've gotten to be kind of counterparts on it yeah and we have such natural energy together mm-hmm. that it makes shooting scenes a lot easier when i'm with him opposed to like a stranger or someone else yeah. and when we were trying to cast this role, um, I, at first I, I didn't know if Sam would be the right fit mm-hmm. just because he's such a funny person yeah. and the character isn't necessarily the funniest character no, all the time. Yeah, he's, it's a very dramatic role and I've never seen yeah. him perform in a dramatic role before. But I brought him over to Chris's so that he could read and the first time he read the, the script, I'm like, this is this is the guy. Like, yeah. He's my best friend, so obviously I'm biased. But <laughs> yeah, you know, like, for sure. Yeah, because like you said, it, it was super important that those two characters have that chemistry yeah and it's really hard to to build that um if it's not if it's not organic you know it's really hard to to get 
two actors who don't know each other to for that to come across yeah. really clearly. So it was good that they already were friends. They already knew each other. Yeah. So that chemistry was just we didn't have to do anything. It was just yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and uh, just for cl- context uh, for the listeners, uh, Sam plays Teddy in in the film, who is Charlie's best friend and kind of the all other lead yeah. uh, in it. Uh, so uh, yeah, the most of the time you guys are on screen, you're with each other. So mm-hmm. it's very important <laughs> that you have that chemistry. Uh, so that kind of leads me into my next question about casting, because uh, Alex, you were kind of the, you were the casting director yeah. uh, essentially of the film, uh, and I felt like the ensemble because uh, it wasn't just the two characters. There's a whole kind of small community of people who interact throughout the entire. Uh, entirety of the film and uh, they also had such a charm and energy about them Mm. (laughs) Uh, so what was kind of your approach uh, for casting those those people when um when I after I read the script Chris was like okay we need to find people for this and this is going to be the toughest part because we can't just call for actors we need to find people that can do improv specifically Because what made this film have that vibe to it of the community, of the connections, was that a lot of it, Chris was confident enough in the actors to put on them. Yeah. So in the script, we would have improvised, we'd have space for improvised scenes. So when you do see the campsite, like 80% of that is not scripted lines. Really? Yeah. And you just kind of had like story beats that are like okay. Yes. Yeah, I would kind of just tell them like what what needed what the scene needed to be, and then gave them the freedom to like get there however they wanted. You know, like like this is how the scene needs to end. You guys just do your thing and try to get there. And then uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time shooting those scenes. (laughs) Sometimes we get on tangents, but yeah, there's a lot of tangents. (laughs) A lot of. Not stuff that's not in the film. A lot of stuff that ma- that got <laughs> cut. <laughs> yeah, tons of stuff. Yeah. But when when I was trying to find people for that, I'm thinking f- physically, who can I see living in this community? Mm-hmm. So you have someone like Kelly, who, um, you know, she forages, and that's her job. It's her day job is mm-hmm. foraging and gardening and stuff. And and she's got such like a carefree spirit. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. So like, I can 100 percent see her out there, and yeah. you know. <laughs> So we're thinking who who looks like they could live in a situation like this. And then also I wanted to cast people that knew each other. So we did have a connection between most of the the people in that scene. Um, there was two people that I hadn't met or worked with until we got to the shoot that day. Um, we had a Brill and mm-hmm. Austin and they both did great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had not met them before. Chris casted them. And they, they're they now, yeah. They, they both were, their yeah. first times acting, too. Yeah, and really? they did great. Yeah. That surprises me. Because, <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah, they did a great job. They have a super well. cute scene where they're, like, dancing. dancing yeah. mm-hmm. And <laughs> that was another thing that was improvised. It came out of nowhere. So I think that that when it came to casting, we're just thinking who can who can have these real and honest moments. Yeah. And it's interesting because like, uh, especially with your character, like your character is very close with Teddy. Uh, and it, a lot of the themes in this film kind of go into, uh, family and like who you trust, I feel like, and, uh, where you're kind of like feel at home and, uh, major point of this film is that all these characters are homeless. 
uh, and they live in this campsite um, outside of town. Uh, and it was it's interesting how different uh, your character Charlie's interactions are with the rest of the cast, uh, other than Teddy, because they're to them they seem almost like n- they're not the same kind of family that you see as Teddy's character, or I mean Sam's character. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Uh, so, kind of what was how did you approach that that role of like getting into the mindset of somebody who's had a lot of trauma and doesn't trust a lot of people? Um, um, well, that's easy because I have a lot of trauma and don't trust a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say so <laughs> <laughs> easy, right? Yeah. Um, I I've not been homeless, uh, but I have been between places of yeah. you know of living, and I've I lived in my car for like. I don't even know if I told you guys this. You I didn't lived, tell me that. I lived in my car for like three months. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, it wasn't, it sounds sadder than it was. It was pretty much like a decision. Like yeah. I decided to do it. I had left college and decided to go to massage school. And I had three months before I could move into my other place. And I just decided that a bunch of my friends were in Ann Arbor. And I would just drive my giant car into Ann Arbor and park it somewhere and live out of it. And then it became Snowmageddon, if anyone remembers yep. that. Mm-hmm. And I quickly realized I can't do that. Yeah. So I moved into my friend's walk-in closet. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I, I've i had experience with not knowing where I'm going to be every night and not and just kind of, you know, figuring it out. And I feel like Charlie's character is very much figuring it out. Like she wants to have everything together for her community and her friends that all live with her in this commune campsite. But she's very much like flying by the seat of her pants Mm -hmm. and just trying to figure out how they're going to eat tonight and how they're going to who's going to, you know, yeah, who's going to sleep where and is everyone okay? And Um, another uh, aspect of the character, though, is not only you know just having to kind of live you know day by day but also you have these big aspirations about yeah being famous you know <laughs> making a lot of money and uh, making a huge impact on the world like delusions of grandeur yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well and you know it's kind of uh, you know not to get too much into it but the, the character it seems like the characters had these kind of aspirations since she was a child uh, it was kind of like built into her totally uh, so uh, I guess Chris, uh, what were the, uh, how did, what made you kind of like want to write this kind of character and, uh, or what kind of inspired you to to go down this direction with the, uh, with the themes of this film and, um, uh, how I feel because your last couple films have also had female leads. Um, my last one did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what's kind of, uh, the difficulty of writing for a female lead? Uh, being that you yourself are not, not a female, female lead, <laughs> um, but that's a lot of questions. Yeah, sorry, I, I, um, I thought of that question. That's what it's going. I so. mean, as far as the aspirations go, and Ed, Ed Charlie, um, you know, wanting to be famous and wanting to write a hit song, as she puts it, um, <laughs> that just came from like m- my own aspirations as a musician and like, yeah, uh, seeing myself fail. You know, sure. and that I mean, when you're young. You nobody see you. You have these aspirations, and you think that your dreams are going to work out. And it's like, you know, there's only there can only be so many successful successful people out there. You know, so that all of that was just like me writing about um, having to come to terms with my own letdowns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's where that came from. 
Um, as far as writing female characters um, or women characters, I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, we worked on it a lot together and mm -hmm. changed a lot of stuff. Um, and that was another thing about this was after I wrote uh, whatever the final draft, it wasn't really the final draft because we ended up like workshopping it with all the actors and even people um, who aren't in the movie. There were a few people who contributed. Like um, I don't even know if it comes across because we, we ended up making it super subtle, but um, Sam's character, Teddy, in the script has Tourette's syndrome. So you'll see him oh. have tics throughout the movie. Yeah, I did notice that. I was like, I, yeah, and, I, I, um, his like, mouth thing. In, yep, in the does. script, he would like, you know, do the classic stereotypical Tourette's thing and like yell random stuff. And then I ended up talking to somebody who had Tourette's and like he read the script and he ended he like was super helpful and like open and with me about like everything and he was saying how like yeah like that's like super rare. Most people with Tourette's it's yeah. not like that. Like we hate when Hollywood portrays Tourette's syndrome that way. So that was super helpful and like yeah. so that's that's just like an example of like how um just talking to people who um, know more than I do and and yeah. have a point of view that's different really Very important helps to get that different perspective yeah. rather than just like putting your own like yeah because I don't know idea anything what, yeah. yeah that's uh, fantastic yeah that was something I didn't know about Tourette's until like recently is that uh, it's more just in, in ticks and, and you know repeated actions rather mm -hmm. than like just shouting out fuck <laughs> yeah. like in right. the middle of an inappropriate place. Sam and I, yeah. um, when we were practicing lines, we um, we we worked a lot on his delivery for those lines, mm -hmm. and we watched like a ton of videos and a ton of stuff about uh, like how to how to respectfully act and mm -hmm. portray this because we wanted to make sure that we were we were not crossing any lines yeah. into that place. After we spoke to your friend. It was like okay, we need to make sure that we're going about this in the most respectful way. And I actually yeah, we never wanted it to be like the butt of a joke. It no, was never no. that. Yeah. Yeah, and in the first copy, it wasn't the butt of a joke. No, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was mis misguided. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it was um, it was nice to learn about how to do that and to keep it respectful. And I like that we never actually say it in the script. Yeah, yeah. it's super subtle, which is good, I yeah, think. Yeah, because that's how it is in real life. Yeah, yeah I, I, it's like something I noticed that like he he did, mm -hmm. uh, his tics, but yeah, it's not like, this. so you have Tourette's character, like, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, I think it was very well implemented. And like, yeah, and you mentioned like um, my last movie, having a woman lead too. I mean, Abby co-wrote that movie with me. So mm -hmm. like, I think it's just about like getting those perspectives in there, yeah. you know? And uh, you guys have kno ho known each other for a long time, yeah? Or how long? Have you guys I don't know. <laughs> like, like three or four three, years? Three or four maybe years? Maybe like going on four? That's it? Yeah. Wow. Instant, <laughs> instant best friends. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, those are the kind of relationships that you love. Yeah. It's like, yes, immediately connect with you. Yeah. My best friend, I've only known him for four years, too. Yeah. <laughs> I've only known Sam for, like, three years. Yeah. yeah, see? See, you make strong friends and you keep them. When, <laughs> you know, once you're out of, like, school and it's like, yeah. okay, now yeah. I'm the real, the real type of people I yeah. like. <laughs> uh, so, so Abby, you uh, were a producer on this film. Uh, what was kind of uh, your uh, perspective on c creating this uh, this story or helping, helping kind of craft this story? Um, I guess... Going back, I think it was almost like two years ago when you shared like your initial script. Yeah, I started for, writing this like two years yeah, ago. Yeah. So, um, 
it was interesting to see Chris's original script to what, what it became. evolved to for the actual film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was the question? Like, <laughs> what was your uh, what was your kind of perspective, and like, uh, how did you? Um, I'm trying to think of how to word this. Uh, like, as far as the production side of it goes, mm-hmm. uh, what were some uh, challenges or uh, or kind of um, unique uh, hurdles that you maybe had to go through uh, with with this. We had a lot uh, of hurdles. So scheduling, many. <laughs> scheduling <laughs> was a huge. Uh, yeah, with a kind of a big ensemble this, cast, this many people, especially and like, like yeah. improvisers. Yes, <laughs> uh, like a weekend to do like the um, the campsite, the location, yeah. the locations. Which <laughs> the props, um, the props, the costumes, props everything. Um, if you want a list cars of all of the, yeah. oh yeah, we had <laughs> two cars website. break down on the way to the campsite. Really? Yeah, tell, yeah. tell them all about that. One that was, was my car um, that I'd only had for like less than two weeks, which was packed to the ceiling with gear and props <laughs> and costumes. Oh and so we'd have two different cars come pick up all the gear from my car to get it. There. But then the car well, that went to, to pick them up after that. That car broke down too. Yeah, Matt, Matt, who did sound on the movie, he was driving himself up there at the same time. And when our car broke down, we called him and we were like, hey, our car, like, can you come pick us up? Um, and then, like, five minutes later, he's, he calls me back. He's like, dude, I just got into an accident. My car's totaled. And we were like, what, what? is going on? And Abby. Is he okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, everyone was <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. We still shot that night, I think. Yeah. Abby's car and Matt's car were the same year, make, and model. <laughs> yeah. They had the same <laughs> car, too. They should have recalled those. 2011 Honda CRV. Oh my! If you God. have one, beware. <laughs> but I was like, "Yep, all right, movie's over." I'm like sitting on the curb, like crying, like, "All right, God doesn't want me to make this movie." <laughs> I'm like, "Chris, stop crying. <laughs> this is gonna be fine." I sent um, our our set director, our set designer. I don't know what her title yeah. fully is. My friend Taylor. We sent her down in her cute little tiny blue car and, and that like, was my first time meeting her was her picking yeah. me up yeah. <laughs> I'm like she's on her way yeah because I was yeah, there so with probably Austin like and Abril 15 minutes from the uh, from the location. campsite yeah. um, so uh, so how did from your perspective Abby how did the the themes kind of evolve since the first draft and until now um oh geez um the first draft was completely different yeah yeah the first draft was very very different um i think just um honing in on um family and not necessarily the family that you're born with and choosing family like became like a larger theme as even like production progressed and the chemistry between charlie and teddy in the movie was apparent while we were filming yeah um so i feel like that became a major theme compared to the original script series of scripts um and i feel like that's like what like made the movie yeah makes it so emotionally charged yeah uh speaking of emotionally charged the chris in addition to writing and directing it you also scored Mm -hmm. uh the the film and i feel like the sound design and the the score of this are huge elements in what kind of make it so poignant <laughs> to you throw that word out there <laughs> uh so and so it's kind of a it's kind of a mixture of kind of ambient soundscapes but also uh 
that are like kind of heavy with like synth sounds and stuff like that. But also you have these more minimalist moments where it's like just like a single piano or a guitar with you know an accordion kind of thing. Uh, uh, what were? How did you kind of approach the balance of this? And what was your? Uh, yeah, I'll just answer. I, I, I keep tacking on extra questions. That's fine. <laughs> what was your, how, was, how was your approach to, the, to creating the balance between these two? Um, I don't know. I just I made a ton of music for it, and mm-hmm. then um, I just kind of had to see what worked and what didn't work. You know, I had a lot of stuff that was like maybe like bigger or or even more minimal, or I just had a whole range of stuff that I was making. Um, where I was like, oh, okay, I, c- I think maybe this could work for this scene, like, and then it wouldn't, or like it would. Um, there were some things, like I, I started making the music before we even started shooting. Like when I was writing the script and working on the script, I was also working on the music too, because I like just had ideas for how I wanted certain scenes to feel. And like a lot of the time, like that stuff didn't end up working because you can't really, um, the movie you see in your head is not ever what you actually get. Yeah. Um, but like for like the scene where um, Sam's character is pushing Alex's character like in the shopping cart, like I think that was one of the first songs I wrote. And I wrote it for that scene, and like it, it just ended up working perfectly. Perfect. So, um, kind of that swelling kind of like uh, trying to remember st- what, the string, yeah. the string yeah. one, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just like just experimenting and like just trying different things and a lot of trial and error. So, were some of the the songs that you put together for it, uh, were they kind of composed after the film? Was kind of had a rough edit going, and then you could like see how the scene breathed and. Uh, and then kind of apply the songs afterwards? Uh, actually, no. So every song in the movie I made before we even started shooting, really? except for the song at the very end. Okay. That one, um, I didn't have anything that was working, and I had to I had to make it once I saw the edit. And Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, so the, was the kind of pacing and the editing dictated by, more dictated by the actual sound, the, by the actual score? Sometimes, yeah, for sure, yeah. Especially, like, um, in that piano scene you were talking about, like, yeah. um, that was one of the scenes where I really had to cut it to the music, because it was yeah so specific, and I, like, when I recorded that song, I didn't, like, record it to, like, a metronome or any kind of, like, it's just, I just did it one time, and that was it, so, wow. like, I couldn't really go back and, like, edit it or anything, you know what I mean? It was, it was what it was, so I had to kind of edit the scene uh, to fit in that. But the rest of the songs I could go in and kind of manipulate and change to to fit, you know, to fit either the time constraints or like the feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like that original song that I was saying with the, in the shopping cart scene, like yeah. the first version that I had of that song was like this like huge orchestral arrangement <laughs> with all these hordes and like it was, like that song's epic. The one that's in the movie is epic, but yeah. the original one was like so epic. It was almost <laughs> like it was absurd how epic it was. So I had to like scale that back yeah. and like take a bunch of stuff out. And yeah, that's what kind of I kind of liked about it was it didn't. Uh, it, it kept. It, it felt grounded uh, in 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 a way that felt in line with the rest of it because you know a lot of the themes and the characters and situations are stuff that people actively don't like to think about they'll ignore they'll kind of pass people you know like uh it's issues that people don't like talking about or thinking about uh so i feel like it was all kind of very cohesive the acting was uh very grounded the story was very grounded everything felt very real (laughs) so excellent work on all that and uh so uh, and you, you know, it's not just me that liked it because it's good, it's been accepted into, or it's it's screening at the Hell's Half Mile Film Series and their Made in Michigan Shorts series in Bay City. 
um, which or is that did that already happen or is that's that, uh, next Friday? Next Friday, so the day before the the actual debut at Ann Hall. So it's actually technically not the debut. Yeah, technically, <laughs> this is this is the pre the pre premiere pre 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 and it's also uh, going to be screening at the Miami uh, well the Indo- Miami Independent Film Festival. It's like their monthly uh, film festival type of thing that kind of. Uh, you know, it's like the preliminaries to the Yeah, they do festival. like a monthly thing and then the winners of each category goes on to screen at the actual festival cool. every year, yeah. Uh how how was that feel of like, you know, cuz I imagine you just like threw your film out to like all these different festivals and you know kind of <laughs> hoping to get whatever stuck. Uh-huh. Uh how did that feel like to, to actually like get into them? It feels good. Yeah. I mean, uh you know, any any kind of like recognition that like you're you're doing an okay job, it's like Okay, I should keep going. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I don't right. know. I yeah, it's well, I always just like assume that I'm going to get rejected from everything. So yeah, it's it's nice when you when you don't, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is nice. <laughs> but like I don't know. I feel like I've made a lot of really bad short films mm-hmm. and like when I started editing this one, I was like, okay, like like I knew like okay, this is like the not the one like yeah. or whatever but i was like okay this is good something you're very proud of yeah. like immediately yeah well you have a lot to be proud of well thank it. you uh so the uh, the uh debut of the the film is being screened uh this saturday at the uh the ant hall uh let's talk about that show a little bit it's gonna have some improv it's gonna have some music who's all gonna be there um so uh too much light makes the baby go blind is Heck doing yeah. their weird experimental theater thing um, we had a lot of the the cast is in that the cast and crew a lot of them are in that yeah so. yeah um, we have uh, Sam Meyer is going to be doing stand up um, his act is so fun yeah his yeah. musical mm-hmm. stand up yeah he's so yeah. good um, Darren Devin and Christina are all performing together um, should I say their last names so people know yeah people know <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Darren Shelton, Devin Rosen, and Christina Orlando. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Fact checker. Um, <laughs> Alex Knows It All is performing, which Heck is yeah. Alex's problem. Which is pro- project. Uh, no secret that Alex Knows It All is my favorite act in the Detroit area. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Dupree Full stop. is um, our number one fan. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've only missed one show. Yeah. Well, one iter- like, and I'm pretty pissed about it, but yeah. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that was there for it. That's the worst yeah, part. I was uh, there. You're here. But I didn't no one told us that the show was starting, so I'm in there in the bar. Wow. Uh, livid. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> they need like a light in, in Ghost Light that yeah. they can like flash. Yeah. And then uh Cosmic Light Shapes, uh, and your band Ancient Language and what was the third band that's playing? Craig Garwood. Craig Garwood, heck yeah. Uh, that they're all performing after the show is being screened. Yep. Uh, so it's a whole event. It's a yeah. Don't miss it, guys. Uh, excellent. And so, uh, what what does the future hold uh, for for you all? Uh, any upcoming projects that you have in the works, or going ham on this boy first? Going ham on this, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I have a bunch of ideas that I've been kind of kicking around. I'm not sure which one we're gonna do next. Chris has sent me some scripts and. I love them. It's just going to be a challenge. One of them. One of them is impossible to one make. One of them is impossible to make. <laughs> and I knew that. I when I said to Alex, I knew she was going to be like, "This is impossible." I already knew that from the beginning. <laughs> so we'll see. But yeah, we're trying to. I'm trying to figure out what to do next. And like, I wanna, I wanna make a feature film soon. Hopefully next year. But like, it all depends on. Well, it depends on a lot of things. Yeah. Um. And then we're also working on. We made a pilot of a web series. Mm-hmm. Um. That we released earlier this year. 
And I don't know if we'll ever make a second episode, but, but I would, it's very funny. I We're would like to. Coming up with ideas, we have like a like, hundred <laughs> ideas, but like I don't know. We just gotta like get get in it and tell and them the name of your it's web called series. Relax. It's called Relax, mm-hmm. and you can find the first episode on YouTube, and it's like a um, absurdist surreal comedy show. Love it. <laughs> I'd awesome. say it's a comedy explosion. Comedy explosion. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, good stuff, guys. Excellent stuff. So we have to move. We take a, but not really a break. But I want to br- introduce our next segment. Uh, so, do you ever realize that your f- kitchen fridge is very empty and you need more stuff in it? Well, there's a superhero by the name of Fridge Man who has all of your needs handled. So please enjoy the story of Fridge Man. Ugh, there's just no time in the day to fill this fridge. I want. Child Billy, please don't cry. I'll fill this fridge to the brim with cottage cheese. I just need a fridge miracle. Did someone say fridge miracle? Who are you? Aha! I'm Fridge Man, lady. I'm your wildest dream come true. Here to fill your fridge with food, snacks, and other items. Wow, a supermarket superhero. Mr. Fridge Man, I want cottage cheese. Owie! You'll get what you get, Pipsqueak. Stop hitting me! There you go. Fridge miracle completed. Your bill will be sent via email. Uh, thanks. I really appreciate... Sorry, lady. I simply do this for the self-validation. I could care less about your appreciation. I'm off to suck the juice out of the bruises on peaches. Fridge you later. I bet he gave me so much cottage cheese. Let's check it out. Oh my gosh, the the smell, it's unworldly. It smells like one of my diapers took a shit on another one of my diapers where a dead bird is covered in more of my shit. (laughs) There's nothing but trash, moldy food, leftover milk, and a... And a pile of old Reader's Digest. Not even any moldy cottage cheese. The entire fridge is full of trash. He somehow managed to spread black mold throughout the fridge within minutes. I, I've, I've never seen anything so aggressively awful. I love a bowl of aggressive cottage cheese. It looks like you're shit out of luck, kid. Oh, nuts! I don't care if there's a peanut allergy present. I'll spread moldy peanuts all over this bitch. Fridge man, away! Bum bum bum, bum fridge man stinks so bad. He's fridge man makes all the kids sad. Fridge man needs a hefty bill. Fridge man make the fridge relic roadkill. Yeah, fridge man. He's a healthy boy. Uh, I uh, Alex had to run, but I am still joined by Christopher Jarvis and Abigail Jasky. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, we are joined uh, by my next guest. He is a uh, line manager at the Helium Tank Factory. Uh, please welcome Magnus Borgson. Hello. Hi, That's man. me. 
Hi, Magnus. Hi. Uh, yes, it's great to be with you, Mike. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Are you nervous or just this how you talk? This is just how we talk. You know, a lot of people ask me what's the deal with my voice. Uh, I've worked so long. I'm a manager, as you know, in a helium factory. Most people don't know this, but anytime you have helium, it escapes uh, slowly. So yeah. the helium has been escaping, and slowly over time, I've always had kind of a higher voice, yeah. but it got worse and worse as my life went on, as my career went on. And so this is how I talk now. Mike. So it's permanently affected your vocal cords. That's what my doctors tell me. Wow. That's unfortunate. Is ever so everyone at the helium factory has this issue? Uh, some, most of our guys that work the lines are... They're younger, you know, and they yeah. they come in for a few years. They, they work the line. Yeah, How they come and go. How long have you been go. there? Uh, I've been there 15 years now. Oh, okay. So you're a lifer. Yeah, I'm a lifer. Well, that's only in the line. Before that, I mean, so I work for Futura Helium Company, which is a division of Marathon uh-huh. Petroleum. Uh-huh. And Futura, I've worked at marathon before that for 10 years so it's you know 25 a little more than that even yeah but 25 years in wow well congratulations thank you uh what's got you so passionate about helium well mike you may know you may have heard helium is uh it's stagnating there's a shortage going on it's it's a it's kind of a business in crisis Mm -hmm. is that that one of those uh noble gases or yeah it is Wow. It's the smallest noble gas you could smallest. See. Yeah, it's there's only there's two there's just two electrons and oh. two protons. Oh, so it actually is physically the smallest. Is it well, so hydrogen is smaller but hydrogen is not a noble gas. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh so uh as so a common misconception I feel like people have about helium. Well, I guess I thought. Well, my my initial thought was people thought that if you kept doing helium, that your voice would end up getting higher. But I thought that that was a myth. Well, it turns out it's actually correct. <laughs> well, if you're under the conditions that I'm under, where my vocal cords are constantly under stress, yeah, uh, my doctors tell me that this is just part of it's a little psychological. I don't know how to talk any other way. Oh, and so also, maybe not physically affected your vocal cords, but it's just you're so psychosomatic. used to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely a part of that, they tell me. And so part of it is just that I always talk like this because I have no choice to. I've worked yeah. so many long hours. It's very important for me. I mean, there's a delicate balance now because the lines have to run exactly mm-hmm. because there's so much less helium in the world mm-hmm. now than there's been in 100 years. Why is that? Well... You know, it's the consumption. It's parties. Too many balloons. Too many St. Patrick's Day parties. Yeah. yeah what's, what's the demand for helium? Where, Who are your clients? Well, of course, th- things like Party City and right. very large parties. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you hear about these the festivals in Europe and in, in the United States. They release thousands and thousands of balloons. Mm-hmm. Which is bad. It's it's very bad for, for the environment, but it's good for the business. I can't really say it's bad objectively. Yeah. It's good, sort of good for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, wasn't there that incident in Chicago or something? Like, uh, like in the late '90s, they released like. I just watched a documentary about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many balloons? Was I like, don't know. They were trying to beat the lot. the world record though, and um, it all ended up. They in all ended up going into the river, <laughs> yeah. and um, two two fishermen actually drown 
um, that day. Yep. And they, it took them like a week to find their bodies because there were so many balloons in the water. Do you take any personal responsibility for that? I, I'm responsible for the line. I mean, I can't really, as an employee of Marathon Petroleum and the Futura Helium Company, I can't say anything really negative. I don't take a position either way. Uh, I mean, I'm also married and my wife wouldn't... Uh, really approve it if i said anything that was yeah. not true you know you i'm don't not want to incriminate anti yourself but hmm? you don't want to incriminate yourself no. but uh, i mean speaking as a as a person uh do you feel uh that the overconsumption of helium uh in in something like that uh is ethically wrong i'm, I'm gonna have to plead the fifth mike it's, oh there's there's some things i mean personally i think the systems we have in place, maybe they're not fully correct. Sure. I honestly, it's a, it's a huge stress on me just dealing with the line and dealing with my my we, my FTs, my full time workers that mm -hmm. are on the line every day that I have to schedule them and make sure the line's running exactly correct. Because if there's any wrong, it's very like maybe a tenth of a mile per hour difference in this line. The conveyor belt going on, we leak more and more healing him, and it's my fault. We lose a lot of money. Uh, it's a big You're stress. You're getting very worked up. I, serious, Mike. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so what is uh, the most rewarding thing about your job? Uh, it's, it's a good group of people. And yeah. It, it's been stable. I've you know, had a long career. I haven't had to move anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's... It's been good. So the primary reason that I had you on the show today uh, is because you had a kind of a major incident occur uh, recently yeah. uh, at, at your factory. And you got kind of a lot of the blame for it. But then there was like a whole court case. And uh, it turns out there were other people who are actually kind of involved in it. And you kind of got cleared. Uh, and I know that the kind of legal legal stuff is done with, so I was wondering if we could talk about it, if you wanted to open up about it. Yeah. I'm really glad you asked that, Mike. I, nobody's really, other than in court, I haven't really had a chance to speak out on that incident. Mm -hmm. So we had a huge leak. Mm -hmm. Like the world's largest helium leak ever recorded in human history. Yes. Man-made helium yes. leak. Yes, yes. And it poisoned the entire city, even though I didn't think helium was toxic. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, our factories—it's not—it's not far. It's in—it's in Royal Oak, mm -hmm. and where we have the trucks come down with the, the giant trucks full of helium, and we put them in to canisters, and we had a lot of trucks, and we filled our large tank for the day, and somebody. Uh, it wasn't me, as you said, mm -hmm. but somebody had. Well, uh, you were you were involved, but you weren't accountable. I was involved in scheduling this individual, and I was involved in the oversight of this individual. But they had told me that they put the seal on tight mm -hmm. on the main tank, and it's happened to be not the case. And we ended up. Uh, Making the entire city of Royal Oak uh, speak higher for about three days. Yeah, and it was very difficult uh, because, at, you know, at that time there was a very uh, serious convention. There was a Democratic National Convention taking place in Royal Oak, uh, and everyone, all the candidates, 
uh, ended up speaking much higher, and no one took him seriously, and that's how we lost the 2016 election. It was <laughs> it was a national debacle. Like that's true. Yeah. Uh, so do you, even though you weren't legally accountable, you didn't see any prison time, like the life in prison that your colleagues got. Uh, but do you feel, in the end of the day, like your lack of oversight resulted in Donald Trump becoming president? I really hope not. I can tell you that it has affected me personally. I was in line to go up and up at the company. Mm-hmm. I had a promotion online, and I ended up being flat. There's kind of got deflated, as you might say. Oh, I thought you said fat. I'm like, you're not that big. I did also gain some weight. Oh. Thank you for, for noticing, no. I guess. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to. I, I thought I misheard you. Well, I certainly hope we haven't contributed to something like, say, the downfall of the nation through... <laughs> I know what I understand. Like, literally... We're deflating the helium balloons right now. In that in that period, we had less helium in the nation because our factory let it all out into the city of Royal Oak. And, of course, we've apologized many times. Mm-hmm. But I certainly hope we haven't, say, deflated the stature of the nation, literally as well. Yeah. Through maybe what we're seeing to be a corrupt president or something like that. I don't know. I can't officially weigh in on these things myself. I try to stay out of politics, but who well, knows? Well, uh, Chris and Abby, what are your opinions on balloons lately? Uh, do you think that they're wasteful? Do you think uh, they they shouldn't exist anymore? There's a time and a place for a balloon, I think. Yeah. And it's 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 a very rare time and a place. Yeah, I, I'm going to lean say. towards wasteful on yeah. that one. Yeah. Not, not needed. You could put up we actually not eco-friendly. Uh, the balloons end up in the ocean or large bodies of water, mm-hmm. and it affects the wildlife. And, and also, and just before that, the, uh, like you bring balloons to someone's house and for a party, and you leave them there. It's like, oh great, now I'm responsible for this. Balloon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, and we actually had a a, a a little bit of a controversy involving helium recently. Ooh. Another True story. Another helium controversy. Yeah, we were um, we were at a bar and it was someone's birthday uh-huh. and balloons were brought for the birthday. We didn't know any of this until after, by the way. But um, it was two a.m. People started. It was two a.m. People started <laughs> popping the balloons and inhaling the helium. So you know, we 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 partook. We had a little fun and we inhaled some helium. Uh-huh. It is fun, isn't it? It was fun, but um, the person whose birthday it was did did not take kindly to that. They they thought they saw it as a uh, a, malicious a malicious act. Acts. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. So that happened. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. But we were just having some fun with some helium, you know. Yeah. You got you know you gotta have fun. Yeah. Definitely, you gotta have fun. So you know. <laughs> live your life. Did you get in trouble? We we got called out on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Did Not you really? Name. Not, Not by name, name, but yeah. There was a, a social media post. So if you're listening to this, we are sorry. We did not know. We didn't know. <laughs> a lot of apologies going on today. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, this is very wholesome. Then everyone's, you know, coming clean about their past indiscretions, <laughs> uh, usually involving helium. Um, what's the worst thing you've ever done with helium, Magnus? I I work in the factory, so of course there's some things. Helium's very cold, right? Helium's yeah. very cold. Uh, <laughs> I can't say anything particular, but uh, there are some people who 
I know I'm, and in my youth when I first got the job uh, I can say this there's uh, none of the managers above me are the same anymore but uh, we and my wife and I uh, we like to use the helium for sexual purposes oh <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> you know the nipples on the face you know whatever you, you spray helium on the nipples and face I, I think you should use your imagination I, I'm not comfortable <laughs> specifying anymore but Wow, it's certainly a lot of fun. I could I could say I think people in America in those in those respects should light it up. In uh, my father's and grandfather's native Norway, we're a lot more free with these things. It sounds like dangerous. It sounds like it could be a fatal thing to do. You could you have to be careful, but I'm saying it could be done safely and fun. Wow, very interesting. Uh, what's the best thing you've ever done with you? <laughs> the best thing I ever done. Well, certainly, there's been a lot of uh, very cool charity parties. We've, uh, I've supplied, I've helped supply. Uh, like as part of that Democratic convention, uh, there was a, a big, uh, you know, there's a big Green New Deal push. They had a lot of fundraising, and there were yeah. some balloons there. There's some balloons. Yeah, there were a lot of balloons, and incidentally, those also all popped uh, and released helium into the area, increasing the volume of everyone's vo- or increasing the pitch of everyone's voice again making the Green New Deal effectively dead on the floor. Now you're just focusing on the bad things, I feel like. <laughs> I, just, I feel like I need to give the whole proper context. Yes, I do. Uh, also. So not only were you partially responsible in electing um, uh, probably objectively the worst president we've ever had, um, but also responsible for continuing climate, uh, the effects of climate change by killing the Green New Deal. And also you just make balloons in general, which are bad for the environment. I mean, uh, you can argue all these things if you want. I'm not sure if I want to engage with that. I just want to... To be fair, does he actually have anything to do with the production of the the balloons? I mean, he's a line man. Well, yeah, but he does have have to do with the production of tanks just tanks just um, tanks but it, what how would you feel if i were to call you an echo ter- eco terrorist it doesn't make me feel good no <laughs> it feels terrible yeah. but would you consider it an apt description some may say i would not okay. i certainly i wouldn't be in this job that i'm in if i thought i personally was an eco terrorist i've never seen myself in that capacity <laughs> good what do you see yourself as? I see myself as a, a man with a dedicated wife who's worked the <laughs> same job, basically in, in different capacities a little bit. But, but why, why, did, why did you specify dedicated wife? <laughs> because she is dedicated. Why, that seems like a strange qualifier to She's, use with your wife. She, like, most people would just say, like, loving wife or right. uh, something. Why, why something... Something happened. It's you know I think we are dedicated to each other. And there's a beautiful there's a beauty about that. It's not necessary. It encompasses love, but it also encompasses that we are respectful and that we take take care of each other and these sorts of things as well. You know that's wow. my just my personal feeling. That's good. Does she feel the same way? I'm sure she does. Good. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to grill you on your relationship. You see, it seems like you're, it's an uncomfortable topic for you. Uh, there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable topics for me, right? Yeah. What so, are, name? Give me a list. Um, We've already covered helium uh, shortage. the legality of helium, the helium shortage, your marriage. What the incident that the we incident. spoke of earlier. Yeah. 2016, the election. Uh-huh. 
the city of Royal Oak in general, although I was born there and lived there for many, many years of my life. You don't want to talk about it? I, I, my hometown is a very touchy subject now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that hate me. I, yeah. I go back to my high school and they're like, you did this to our voice. It's humiliating. Yeah. Uh, anything else you don't want to talk about? Um, let's, you know... You asked about very good things I did with helium. I mean, I, I bought a giant truck, and I uh, at the previous Democratic National Convention, we donated the balloons for that. Wow, a giant truck. That must have taken up a lot of fossil fuels, huh? There's a little club of us at the Marathon Petroleum Company that, that uh, are involved in Democratic politics, and we decided it was a good thing. We would donate our, our own monies to... to Pay to the company at a discount that we get, and we supplied all of the helium, an entire truck. Hmm. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you feel good about yourself. I do, Mike. Good. Do you guys supply any helium to Disney? Oh. I'm glad you asked that, Abby. Um, is it because my voice kind of sounds like Mickey Mouse? Is that why you're asking? <laughs> oh, no. I just assumed that they had... Uh, balloons up yeah. the wazoo and you know their parks and stores and well we are the exclusive supplier so wow so yes the answer is yes this is the <laughs> answer is yes and also there are rumors that the actor that does voice mickey mouse does does consume quite a bit this comes full circle to our marvel conversation yeah. earlier yeah what's your opinion on the uh, whole marvel uh, being cinema thing well Marvel being cinema, with, I, I I have to say I kind of missed the argument. Is the argument that Marvel is not cinema? Yes, the argument is that Marvel is more. The Marvel movies are more of a theme park ride than uh, than actual like art that is uh, pushing forward the boundaries of the art form of cinema. I think that's ridiculous. I think it certainly is cinema. I I think that uh, people get kind of too inside of themselves and they need to let it out a bit more they need to just expel a bit of these preconceived notions these pretensions and i think it i certainly think it is cinema I, now if if you're asking me about something like i don't know maybe like some of the first punisher movies or was some of those that were blade fairly two. blade two yes certainly those aren't high art you could argue but <laughs> does it need to be would you would you call uh iron man th- to high art <laughs> I think to a child in the right <laughs> fair enough in the right perspective and if you gave it maybe like a whole mess of balloons to watch the movie with maybe it could be a very artful experience that's fair that's fair well thank you so much for being on the show Magnus thank you Mike I appreciate you and Chris and Abby and Alex uh, thank you guys all so much for being on the show where can people find more from you uh, thanks for having us. Where can people Thank find you. more? Um, the internet? <laughs> yes. The internet at large. We're on the internet. We're, yes. We're, we're on the internet. Instagrams or anything you'd like to plug? Or? Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, Core4Productions. That's our production company. Um, I also have a YouTube channel with a bunch of our videos. It's just my name, Christopher Jarvis. Search that. Um, yeah. Awesome. Great. And uh, people can find the screening of Bruised Fruit this Saturday at the Ant Hall. There's improv and music and a great freaking movie for you to watch. Uh, Doors are at 7. It is an early show, just a reminder. Yes. Yes, get there early. Don't go there at 8.
Yes. Dingus. Uh, <laughs> great. Thank you all so, so very much for being on the show today. Uh, we will be back next week with Barely Own. Uh, bye. The Michael the Brave Variety Hour is powered by Pinecast and is a member of the Planet Amp Podcast Network. If you like what you heard today, give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you're so inclined. And uh, follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Michael Dupree VH. The theme song for the Michael Dupree Variety Hour is Don't Weigh Me Down by Broadcast 2000. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.